Today is Sunday, September 1st, 2019, and this week on the Shell and Tell podcast, Mike Loxley gets his first win in a big way as head coach for the Terps. The Syracuse Orange come to town in a tough matchup next week. And can the Terps finally get the revenge against Temple in week three? Stay tuned. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Shell and Tell podcast. Fred and Ryan here, 24 hours removed from a huge, huge first win for Mike Loxley and crew. We got some real football. We're talking real, actual games, not this pretend <laughs> stuff we've been doing since we started this podcast, depending on who you ask. Easy. Easy. I've seen all the comments out there on social media that, oh, we're beating up on these small colleges like Howard. I don't give a damn. We won 79 to nothing. It's time to pound your chest a little bit. I don't care if you're playing against little leaguers out there, high schoolers out there. We won 79 to nothing. Yeah, we, you know, Mike Loxley learned one thing down there in Alabama, it looks like. It's how to run that score up, and I enjoy it. And I'm sure Howard went to the bank and cashed their check right after the game. Yeah, don't feel a bit too bad for him. We funded the rest <laughs> of their trips this year. Not at all. And you know what was good about this game is because we had such a big lead early and ended up ultimately holding on to this lead is we got to see a lot of guys, and we're going to get into it, got to see a lot of guys that maybe we didn't think we would see in this game. Uh, and it gave us a little bit of time to kind of tune up. So for you fans out there that don't know, again, we're doing this show on a biweekly basis. So we're going to be covering a lot of things on the show. We're going to be covering, obviously, the, the game that we just won against Howard. We're going to talk this week's game against Syracuse and then also follow that up with next week's game or the following week against Temple. Yeah, we got a lot to get into. It's going to be a little bit difficult to get it all in. but uh, And obviously with week one, it's going to be more difficult to talk two weeks down the road than it will be later in the season. But we'll see what we can get into. All right, man. So let's start, obviously, with the big win against Howard. Mike Loxley gets his first career win, and it was hot. It was so hot. Like, I, you know, I usually hate on the student section and just crush them for leaving early. There was actually a decent amount of students there by the mid-first quarter. You know, a little late crowd, usually roll in, fashionably right. late. They all disappeared. I don't know if they just moved into the shadows like some of us did which uh, we did see some fans there. Uh, Mr. Mark uh, was giving me some stuff on Twitter about how soft I was for going into the shade. But, <laughs> you know, it was my anniversary. My, yeah, uh, man. My Congrats. sweet wife uh, surprised me on the big board with uh, anniversary uh, best wishes for our fifth year. That was pretty and awesome. we have two two-year-old children that really weren't handling this heat very well. So <laughs> I will admit I did hide a little bit from that sun. Nobody <laughs> was handling that heat well. I'm pretty sure you could fry an egg on my arms by like the second quarter in that game. It was ridiculous. And it wasn't like the temperature was hot. Just the sun was ridiculous in yeah. that game. I mean, within 10 minutes, I was talking to my wife and like, we got to get these girls out of here. I'm like, I can't watch this team. You know, we had the heat reminders last year, you know, rest in peace, Jordan McNair. Right. And we're sitting here baking and i'm and i i made the right decision moving them to the shade because i watched three full-grown people hit the concrete yeah. and get taken out well not all taken out but seen by medical personnel 
um, right right at the top of the stands. Yeah, so. and even one of the Howard players cramped up to the point where he had to be escorted he off, was gated the, off the, the field. Yeah, off the sideline. It was a scary situation. You know? Yeah, it's, not a cloud in the sky. It was, you know, high 80s, and the sun made it so much worse. Well, as you said, we got to run into some fans of the show, which was pretty cool, seeing that, you know, it's taken off and people recognize, you know, the work that we're doing and all that stuff. So it was good to see everybody out there. Appreciate you all coming up and saying hi. You know, Ryan and I really appreciate that you guys take the time to listen to the show every week. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, just I've been rocking out the same uh, aisle to my seats every year for almost 20 years and happen to be one of the, the other listeners to the show. I walk right by his seats. He's on the aisle on the left, section <laughs> six. Not quite as great as section seven on the right. <laughs> Uh, but I'm they walking. held their own. <laughs> no, they were great. They uh, they were there the whole whole time, whistle to whistle. They're my yeah. kind of people. Um, those are the people we're making the show for. So thank you for saying hi. And I gotta ask you, visually, what did you think of that new turtle shell entrance? Oh, the turtle shell is cool. They're they're, they're, awesome. they're they're making the best of it. I think it is going to be even cooler at night. Yeah. I am I cannot wait for the Penn State to see that thing all lit up at night. I'm sure they'll bust out the fog and the red lights that we saw <laughs> on Facebook, and it's gonna be awesome. All right, man, so let's dive into this Howard game a little bit. You know, obviously, quarterback was a position that a lot of people were talking about, who was going to get the starting nod, and finally, a couple days prior to the game, they had announced that Josh Jackson was going to be the starter going into this game, and you and I kind of talked about it off the air. How much time will Piggy actually get to see if he does get to see any time in this game? He did get to see uh, a good amount of time, just being that we got out to a uh, such a big lead in this game. What was your first impressions on Josh Jackson, though, as a quarterback? So early it was a little difficult to get a read on Josh Jackson because our uh, our line was awfully leaky in the in the beginning parts of the yeah, game. Yeah. So Josh was had made some really good throws, um, but a lot of them had to be on the run. Um, the touchdown pass, the very first one, was actually not a very good throw, but Dante Demas really picked up the slack for him yeah. and took care of that one. Um, but when he had a clean pocket, he was throwing dimes. He had he had real pretty balls. It was it, it just seemed that as it got later in the game, we had a cleaner pocket. Um, which it was it was interesting to see because they had uh Josh Jackson play, then Piggy played a little bit, and Josh Jackson came back in. Right. So they definitely were still feeling it out. They were still using that preseason type thing we discussed last last week where you gotta see the number two guy with the ones. You can't right. just put the other guys in there. Yeah, and I mean he goes fifteen to twenty four for two hundred and forty five yards and four touchdowns, the majority of that all coming in the first half as far as yardage goes. To your point, I, I think that for me, I was impressed uh, in his ability to be able to handle the offense. The offensive line is definitely a question mark, and we're going to kind of get into that in a little bit here. Early on, I don't know if it was a jitters thing. He was throwing a little bit behind his receivers, that kind of thing. But like you said, some of the some of the receivers, primarily Dante Demas, was able to make up for that. Uh, but look, anytime you can go 15 to 24 for that kind of yardage and touchdowns, it's a hell of a game. It was an absolutely a hell of a game. I mean, he's everyone got involved, multiple receivers, even two tight end touchdowns. Right. When's the last time Maryland had two tight end touchdowns in a game? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a, a much bigger emphasis in this year's offense is the use of the tight end position. We've talked about that. Uh, and I think this kid, Tyler Mabry's, or Mabry's the real deal. Yeah, he, he looked good, and uh, Oconquo got the very first touchdown for, from him. So everybody's getting involved. And, you know, when they did bring uh, Terrell Pigram in, one of the things that kind of impressed me from him, and, and I think one of the, I guess, the improvements that he made from last year to this year is his ability to throw the ball deep and hit these receivers in stride at least three different occasions. 
one of which was called back due to a penalty, he hit his receiver on at least a 30, 35-yard pass in stride. Oh, they were so they were so pretty. There was another one that, that the window was so small, I was celebrating before I realized that the receiver called it like a foot out of bounds. Right. But I didn't even care. Like, just to see that he had that kind of precision, that he had improved like that, I really, you know, I, I think that Josh Jackson did nothing to lose the job, so he will be the starter this week. But I, I, I want to reiterate... I feel comfortable definitely with our top two. <laughs> Agreed. Now, from the running back position, we've talked about this at nauseum, how good of a running back stable that we had. But if you just purely look at the stats of this game, if you told me Anthony McFarlane was going to have six rushes for 18 yards and we win 79 to nothing, I would have thought you were crazy. Absolutely crazy. I mean, we, even 1B, Javon Leak didn't have that many yards or attempts. Right. I would, uh, pretty much got carried through with Jake Funk, Lorenzo Harrison, um, Leak Davis. and Blake Davis. Yeah. Uh, there was Everybody had great things. Lorenzo Harrison had one of the better runs of the day. It was from like the 7-yard line to the 40, cutting all the way back across field, probably ran 60 to get it. Um, he almost had a touchdown. Turf Monster got him, I'm hoping. It could have. <laughs> Could have been a hamstring the way he went down, but I think yeah. it was the turf monster. Hammy's uh, definitely a concern with him. That's uh, at least been the rumor kind of going around on social media. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But, look, if we're talking about the fourth string running back and his health concerns, I think we're going to be all right. McFarland, I think that they jumped out to such an early lead. McFarland got two touchdowns early on in this game. And, again, the offensive line had some issues with blocking, and, and really McFarland wasn't able to find any holes. There were a couple assignments missed by offensive linemen that prevented Mar uh, McFarland from breaking off big runs in this game, I think they realized, all right, this game's pretty much in the bag early on. I think we had a 21 to nothing lead in the first six or seven minutes of the game. There was no need to keep him out there and expose him to possible injury. It was interesting. I mean, a lot of his work came where I wouldn't expect him to be used. So it was right. al almost like a preseason for him, too. Let's see how Anthony McFarlane does at the goal line. Right. I mean, two carries with inside the 10-yard line, you would think that that would usually be some of the bigger backs or even even Javon Leak. I wouldn't think that beginning of the season that was going to be his deal, but hey, he does. he's sneaky. Yeah. You don't need much of a hole to get him through. That, that the touchdown on the two-yard line was untouched. Right. He kind of skipped over a guy. This guy, I mean, he's going to have a great year long as he stays healthy. He's going to have a great year. But we were talking about this when we were at the game. One of the things that was a big part of the offense last year was a lot of jet sweeps, and that's where a lot of his big yardage came from, especially against Ohio State. The big two gains that he had were both on jet sweeps. We didn't see a whole lot of that in, in this week's offense, so he's going to be used and, I think, utilized in different roles and in different situations. You'll probably see him, to your point, catching the ball more out of the backfield this year. Uh, so it, it's, it's kind of a feel-it-out process with them, and again, they've got so many options that it's not going to be an issue. Yeah, I'm not worried at all about Anthony McFarland. Obviously, this is a warm-up game. Um, if anything, I'm even more happy about Anthony McFarlane because this was the one part of his game I wasn't so sure. The goal line carries I thought would go with one of our bigger options, the the Fleet Davises of the world that showed some real power this game. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about him because he, I think, was probably the most impressive running back of the group. To your point, the, the ability to stiff arm and power through some tacklers, he had some, I mean, beast-like runs in this game. Yeah, he was carrying some people. He also busted out that spin move for anyone that <laughs> follows University of Maryland where he put a spin move on, I think it was Tino Ellis, don't quote me on that, on the uh, 
uh, on their Twitter. I thought maybe it could have been staged because it was so nasty, but he did that <laughs> live game action, and it was just as good. So he ends up with 16 rushes for 79 yards in this game. Again, I think him and Jake Funk kind of carried the load in this game. Jake kind of coming in and mop-up duty, had one big run in this game. He ends up with 12 rushes for 79 yards and a touchdown. Uh, got us all the way down there where you thought, you know, you and I talk about beating on our chest. You and I, early on, when we got into like the third quarter, we were talking 100 points. We wanted to see 100 on the board. Yeah, I mean, you have to want to see 100. <laughs> I mean, you got 56 in the first half. I wanted to see what the scoreboard would do. <laughs> right. Like, even the electronic one on the horseshoe end of the stadium, I don't think could handle 100 points because it just doesn't <laughs> look like there's enough room. Maybe they changed the font down. But the uh... old school light up, you know, figure eights yeah. on the left-hand side with There's the open end. There's two digits. There's only two digits. Right. I really wanted it to say zero, zero, two, zero. Or does it like or X it, out, like two this, X's when yeah. it gets to be too high? Does it stay at 99? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, it, 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 there's a lot of questions that almost were answered that just didn't get there. <laughs> and, and we had left a lot of points on the board, as weird as that says, at 79. Right. Uh, because we had uh, an, an amazing play by Nick Cross with, to try to high point the blocked punt in order to get a touchdown instead of the safety. Right. You know, hindsight 2020, I think he could have jumped up and uh, faced the the field and passed that to one of his players. <laughs> that would have been the only thing better. But what a heads-up play to do that in live action. Yeah, man. You ain't kidding. There was, there was a few uh, safety opportunities in this game. Let's just say Howard as a whole was not a very good football team, but their special teams unit was god-awful. Yeah. I, I You know, I mean, even a little credit to IMS Radio. It could have just been a joke, but it landed true. I was listening to their podcast, and they were talking about we had a real advantage in the long snapping game. <laughs> And I've never heard a more true thing on the radio or, uh, or podcast. We were sitting there that game. I think the first three or four punt opportunities for them, all three of them were bad snaps. All were bad snaps. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then the one got a bad snap, and it was still a, a shanked punt because I think he was surprised the ball landed in his hands. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, that was that was definitely the worst part of their game. But let's talk a little bit about the receiving core. As we've already kind of mentioned, Dante Demas – stood out big time in this game. Obviously, we talked who was going to be the guy to step up and kind of take that number one role with Jayshon Jones going down with the injury. And you and I had said Dante Demas was definitely a candidate for that role just based on what we saw a little bit of last year and then what we saw in the spring game this year. Man, he did not disappoint in this game. Yeah, I was ready for the big body, high point the ball, rip the ball out. <laughs> I And I knew he had some speed, but unless Howard was, was just – the slowest team we've ever played. That man was a lot faster than I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, that's I think, was the most impressive part about his game. One, he showed his hands because he was able to make a couple catches that were away from his body, a couple of that were behind him. And, and then, strong, just ripping it away from the defender. Exactly. And then, to your point, to be able to run away from the defense the way he was. He had three. He only had three catches, which it felt like that was shortchanged. It felt like he had at least six or seven catches in this <laughs> yeah, game. <laughs> but he only ended up with three, but he had 100 yards, and two of them were touchdowns. One was the 62-yard touchdown catch he had. Huge game, man. This this yeah. guy has got nothing but upside. So two big things to mention with him. The very first throw of the game was a, like, 60-yard bomb to him that he dropped. Yeah. And he very much made up for that. You know, and you were ready to hey, give him crap on that first I, play. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, I was shocked that it happened because we were so high on him. But – you know, how how good and confident you have to be to immediately go back to him and get this involved. And, you know, he's still a young guy. 
You know, right. He could have easily gotten to his head and been, well, how did I drop that? And But he, he showed off. Yeah, and then we talked also about the usage of tight ends. And granted, they weren't a huge part in this game, but later on, once Piggy got into the game, we started to see Tyler Mabry become – or. Yeah, Mabry become part of the offense. They threw to him a couple times, and he had the one catch for a 24-yard touchdown. This kid, I'm telling you, he's got the NFL structure of a tight end. I think he's poised to have a big year. Yeah, I, I need to go back. I can't find the, the full play, but he was wide open. Yeah. I want to know if it was just a complete blown coverage. I think it was blown <laughs> coverage. <laughs> so I can't I, – I think he looks good. I think that, you know, he looks comfortable with his quarterback, and they celebrated so quickly – they have seemed to have a little bit more connection maybe than some of the other people on the team. Right. Um, I know we had mentioned before they worked out in high school together, so they know, they've known each other for a while. Right. Um, so I, I expect big things. But, yeah, that was a wide-open touchdown pass walking into the end zone. So we'll, we'll see some more out of them, I'm sure. All right, so let's switch to the other side of the ball, and I think the most impressive side of the ball. Yeah, we put up 79 points, but we held them to a shutout. Nothing. And I mean, almost a shutout in yards. Right. (laughs) And we talked about it at nauseum last show was how explosive this offense could potentially be. And some of the guys that they had coming back that had huge years last year, including returning quarterback Kalen Newton, the, the brother of Cam Newton. Man, he was running for his life. in this. He game. was absolutely running for his life. And, uh, you know, we can you think we were crazy that we were uh, thinking that they had some offensive power, but we weren't the only one out there. There were no. a lot of people marking them off as just a walk in the park. But I was reading a press box, and they had uh, the editor where I was saying, you know, I can't guarantee we win against Howard. Like, there's still a lot of things to be uncertain about this team. Um, and he was talking about some of the same things we were about their offensive power. But all that got put to bed pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, I mean, it started right out of the get-go. The defense was putting pressure on him all game long. And I tell you, two guys – to me, that, you know, we had some question marks as how how fast they would fit into the defensive scheme and how how quickly they would make an impact, and it didn't take them long as the two transfers at linebacker, Keandre Jones and Shaq Smith, made immediate impacts right away. Immediate, and they, they, they were, looked fast. Yeah. They looked long. Yeah. I mean, the prototypical, like, edge rushers. Um, right. And, they're, of course, they're playing lots of places outside of the edge rush, but – they, they they put in work, and they had them playing a lot of the game, too. Uh, they were probably some of the longer starters playing. I was a little worried. I'm like, why are we in the third quarter up 60 points, and they're still out there? But, you know, they need to put their work in and learn the system, so they, we saw a lot. Yeah, Keandre Jones ends up with four tackles with one and a half sack, and then Shaq Smith, three tackles into one sack. I think the only thing that was concerning with Shaq Smith is we did see him kind of limp off the field later on in that game, and that's where I was kind of screaming, like, the hell's he even doing out on the field at this point when you got such a big lead? But like we just said, I mean, they're kind of playing behind the eight ball. They're still learning the defense out there, and, you know, the only way that they're going to learn it is by getting that experience, so they need to be out there. And that defensive line looked good. I mean, again, it could just be the undersized Howard, and we did say that's the biggest difference when you play a team like this is the line because it takes so many people yeah, you know, playing above their heads to be able to compete with a Big Ten-type team. So it'll be interesting to see next week whether they can keep that up, but what what shocked me was the pure numbers. The sacks we had were not done by one person. No. That was three or four people. I mean, you're talking, I know it's not Cam Newton, but he has some of those skills. Yeah. Like, 
one guy, unless you're blindsiding him, was not sacking him. But he would go to escape, and there's three other people on the other side within two feet of him. So they'd all just crush that pocket around him. Contain was unbelievably good in this game. Eight sacks as a team, 15 total tackles for loss. And again, this is a quarterback. We saw flashes of it. We saw the, the obvious relationship to Cam at a few times in this game where he was able to get away from the pressure. But look, when the, when the heat is on like this, the entire game, and that's really what the Terps were able to do, the entire game, whether it was first down, second down, third down, did not matter. Uh I don't care who you are. You're not going to get away from it all game. And he was looking. I mean, I don't think they had anywhere to get rid of the ball. Our corner, right. our cornerbacks were as good as advertised. Our defensive line was better than advertised. And our linebackers pretty much showed up, too. I think they're, they were what we expected kind of thing. Now, I think one of the biggest surprises of the game for us, and we both kind of were scratching our heads when we saw this, but DJ Turner was out there returning punts in this game. And both of us kind of looked at each other like, why is DJ Turner back there returning kicks? Yeah, I was a little interested. I mean, you know, wide receivers probably one of it's not our thinner position, but we were, you know, concerned who we have out there. Right. And you think your senior leadership, your, you know, pseudo number one guy or the one that was supposed to be number one last year, right. wouldn't be one of your punt returns, especially when you have five running backs. You'd think somebody out there, but he quickly shut me up with <laughs> yeah. some great returns. Um, even the ones that he didn't. Uh, return were great fair catches and a lot of traffic one of the big the uh, punt team ran right into him I don't know how we didn't get a flag going I think because we were already up 30 points right they didn't bother pulling the hanky right um but yeah he looked great he returned one to the house um could have had a second he, if he didn't trip over his own feet he would have had a second one there but I mean when you looked at him out there returning punts versus Rayshad Lewis who was out there in a couple and I think they had Sean Savoy out there for one or two of them Neither one of those guys were able to get any traction or get anything going. DJ Turner, every time he touched the ball, you were thinking, hmm, this is a potential house call. Yeah, he had he had more more chances. Um, Rayshad did also make a really good catch to kind of dive and keep it up control. So he's he's an option. But the game breaker was obviously uh, DJ Turner. Now I'm going to let you talk a little bit about this because I know that this was obviously a glaring issue. And I don't want to harp too much on the negative because I know that there's going to be some time for them to get this right and for them to work on things. But the O-line in this game had to be the biggest concern. If there is a concern coming away from a 79 to nothing win, the offensive line looks like they need some help if they're going to be going up against these Big Ten schools and like a Syracuse coming in next week. Yeah, you got to be concerned. Um, the stats could have been a lot worse if, again, we talked about Jackson being on a run for his life. Yeah. Um, also, Pigram had a uh, – uh, I didn't even realize at the time. His his uh, touchdown running to the left for like 39 yards yeah. was a bad snap busted play that he took to the house. Yep. From our vantage point, because he did so well collecting the ball – and getting it and get it going, it just looked like a planned quarterback sweep. Right. But it just worked out perfect. So the stats could have been much worse if these quarterbacks didn't do a good job getting away because they were harassed frequently. Yeah. Um, pass blocking, bad run blocking, not great, but they they had to block a million people. They put him pretty much completely sold out for the run, decided that our five running backs that have been very well advertised were not going to do it to them. I think if push came to shove, we could have. Yeah. But again, Loxley doesn't want to give his whole playbook out. And if we also have to practice throwing the ball because somebody's going to be able to stop us eventually. So we went deep and it worked and we kept going deep. Yeah. And I think if you can kind of put, I guess, put pink holes in Josh Jackson's game at all, the really, the only thing that I saw negative was his ability 
to get rid of the ball quickly. He didn't. He's kind of slow in that process. Uh, and when you have issues like that on the offensive line, where they're not able to give you a whole lot of time, you got to be able to get rid of the ball quicker. You got to get rid of it as you know as soon as you get back in your drop. And he wasn't able to do that on a couple occasions. So. It's a good thing that he is strong, and it's a good thing that he does have the mobility because he's going to need it unless this offensive line improves. Yeah, and I think the offensive line will improve. I, I, I'm to the idea that we did not move Brayon Gaddy or Austin Fontaine to offense just to be backups. But we didn't see Brayon Gaddy out there. I don't know if he's still transitioning and still learning so I, the position or I've, what. I did see him late in the fourth quarter when I went back and did some film stuff. We couldn't find him he was, um, but on a lot of it, but he was out there. Um, for one of the touchdown um, runs I, that, I, that I saw in some highlights. Okay. But it was very late. But again, he, what was it, like two weeks ago we moved him to offense? Yeah. So he really has barely even had any practice with the playbook. So it's understandable that it was hard to get him out there. Right. But 350 pounds doing backflips <laughs> and a four-star rated defensive lineman, I don't think you just move him over just in case we have an injury to the offense. Right. I think that plan is that he will be the starter. If if he's not, it's kind of a strange move. I don't I don't know why you would flip him like that. I agree. So so I think hopefully that'll that'll pick, fix some things. And just as linemen, you're working as a team, and you cannot practice this live game stuff. You really can't. And yes, they are a smaller team, but it was live action, so they will get better. And honestly, in that game, they did get better. I don't know if you know they just started pulling their ones and then I think playing. they had their twos and threes out there. As I know well. I know they did at the end of the game, but I'm talking even middle of the second quarter with it looked much better than it did the Early second on. time josh jackson went out he had clean pockets and he made great throws right the beginning of the game not so much he was running for his life so i don't think they quite pulled their guys yet so it did get better we won't know we're going to get a good test next week with syracuse because yeah. that's the one thing that they did well was their defensive line well their, their defense as a whole did well but the biggest thing their defensive line all right so let's talk a little bit about next week's game which was moved up uh, to an ESPN broadcast, which I'm kind of excited about, that they'll be on national TV. Uh, it's a 12 p.m. kickoff, as it was this week, as number 22 in the nation, Syracuse, comes in 1-0. And these two teams, they're coming off of almost mirror-like impressive shutout wins. As Cuse beat Liberty this past week, 24 to nothing on the road. And when you talk about the defensive performance that we had in this game against Howard, they racked up eight sacks in this game, held Liberty to negative four yards rushing as we held Howard to one yard. I mean, these are almost mirror-like performances. Yeah, and they're very similar teams we're playing against, so it's it's uh, it's not really all that surprising. But we a shutout is imp impossible with everybody. I mean, there were quotes from the, from their coach about how you know, look at that last five to seven minutes. That's our second and third teamers holding people to zero points. Right. Well, look at Maryland. The last. 40 I mean the last 20 minutes was their second third fourth stringers right. so yeah it's amazing how well this went for both teams I don't I don't care if they are outmatched yes maybe we should play a few less of these games across the country but everyone plays them everybody has a marshmallow game on their schedule and it's smart to have it early on in the year where you're still kind of learning things and working through things and developing as an offense and as a defense there's look again. None of these smaller schools are complaining because they're getting their chance to play against some of these bigger colleges and cash big checks. I don't see anything wrong. And with every that. year you have the people that that win. We just watched the right. Vols lose this week to their cupcake game. It exactly. happens. And so how they, many times have we been close with Towson when Towson's been yeah, here? I mean, yeah, we've played Towson, we've played Morgan State, we played Howard two years ago. It didn't go like this. So right. you know, 
don't pretend like 79 to nothing is not impressive because it's Howard. Right. We didn't do it two years ago. So it is very impressive. And the zero is so much more impressive than the 79. All right. So let's look at a couple of guys that are coming in with this Syracuse squad. A couple of guys that we should keep an eye on. One is going to be redshirt sophomore quarterback, elite 11 quarterback, Tyler Devote, or Devote. I don't know how you say his last name. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? He was 17 of 35 for 176 yards and two interceptions. Exactly. Who in his cares? Debut. Right. I mean, look, there was a lot of talk about this kid last year. He's got great arm strength. He's got great touch on the ball. Didn't see a whole lot of it in this game. I think the biggest thing that I saw from the highlights that I watched, because I didn't watch the game, but I did watch the highlights, was some of his decision-making. He was forcing balls into certain windows, and that's ultimately why he ended up getting picked off. He's not going to be able to do that against us. Yeah, I, it, it, I saw a lot of excuses in the in the <laughs> post-game uh, press conference yeah. for the coach, you know, talking about how it's week one and we don't have game film on this team and we weren't prepared for this. Nobody has game film. Nobody across the country. Right. Like it, you scheduled your cupcake team so that you didn't need game film. That's, that's the whole point. Um and, you know, he's a gunslinger. That's just part of his mentality. Well, you know, you you can be a gunslinger. You can get interceptions. Brett Favre made a career out of it. Right. But you have to he's get touchdowns, too. <laughs> you can't just get interceptions. You can't just bury your head in the sand. So, right. you know, I don't want to sound too confident with that, but I, I, I don't. He's not going to go from this to what they said he was. Right. He may go from this to a above-average quarterback, but he's not going to come in and blow our socks off because he has one week of game film that Loxley gave them nothing. And he's going up against a much better defense than he did against yes. Liberty. I mean, I mean, he if they think they have game film on the Terps right now, they're insane. We Maybe 5% of what we should. I mean, you got 12 carries between your top two running backs. What are you going to learn from that? Right. Uh, it, it, we didn't even need to show them anything. So they're playing, again, with no game film, and I hope it has the same result. Look, the, the one guy that I saw just in the highlights that I think the Terps do need to be aware of is senior running back Mo Neal. This kid's 5'11", 195 pounds. And what I liked about him is he's he's the total package as a running back. He can run north and south, or he can bounce it outside. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He rushed for 869 yards last year in a 5.6 average clip. So, I mean, the guy has been productive throughout his career. So, if you're going to focus in on any one player, I think that would be a guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, we there's he's obviously dangerous he's obviously versatile um you gotta you gotta keep your eye on him and of course the quarterbacks the whole team's job is to win when you don't have everything together good teams win when it's not working for them and they did that so I don't want to you know put them down too much I just don't know how some people get so hyped and other people get left behind right well then on the other side of the ball again this is going to be the big test as you mentioned coming in this week this are all scary part this is the scary part their defensive front four are massive and they get pressure without any kind of disguise without any trick plays i mean they picked up eight sacks last week and most were on three and four man fronts man beating man so that's that's going to be i think the scariest thing and, and the biggest test yeah, for that, us terps team that lines up with our woes being scared of our offensive line so right. you know our offensive line can either shut us up by by putting up with these guys, and or we will find out that it really is a problem, and it's going to stay a problem because lines don't get any smaller once you get into Big Ten play. All right, that's absolutely true. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. We don't have this in the notes anywhere. We got to put a prediction out there. Where do we got this game? And I'll get you lead off. All right, I'm still confident in this. I think that you know both offenses are much better than the offenses they played. 
It's not going to be a 79-point win, I can tell you that. <laughs> Definitely not. Is that, is that good enough for prediction? No. No, no, no it's not. <laughs> I'm going 17-24 Terps. I think we win this one. Okay. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I do think the Terps ultimately win this game. If this game was on the road, I might flip this score around, but I do think that the Terps end up winning this game, and I've got a 28-24 Terps, okay. so a little, we're real little higher scoring. I think we did exact same thing last week. It was very similar spreads, but yeah. you were a little higher scoring. And obviously that was right, even though we were both terrible at predicting a 79 nothing win. <laughs> Nobody predicted a 79 yeah, nothing win. I can't. Win. They doubled the, the Vegas spread. It was 35 right. points, and we scored 79. Right. And again, we are a bi-weekly show, so there's going to be two games prior to our next episode. So let's talk a little bit about two weeks from now when Temple, we go on the road to take on Temple. Now, they're 1-0, and they're going to still be 1-0 as they have a bye week, interestingly enough. Week two. Bye week. Week two. So they've got no game this so week. So the undefeated Temple Owls will be not what I was going to say coming to Maryland. They did that last year and right. beat us. We will be heading to the undefeated Temple Owls. <laughs> well, they ended up with a big opening win under new head coach Rod Carey versus Bucknell, 56-12. to so a lot of these teams were playing on early on in the year went out went off the gates big time in week one. Uh, coach Carey, if you don't know who he is, he's actually the former head coach of Northern Illinois, which if you're a big college football fan, if you've been paying attention, Northern Illinois has really kind of become a, a little bit of a power in the MAC conference over the last couple of years. So he's been a big part of that. Uh, as Temple ended up finishing last year eight and five, they were seventh uh, seven and one in the AAC. Uh, they've been bowling five out of the last six years. So I know you and I kind of talk about this Temple team like this should be an easy win for us. This has actually been a pretty good team over the last few years. It has been a good team. Last year it didn't look like a good team when we lost. That's why we thought the sky was falling because uh, right. they were uh, 0-3 or something starting the year. They've rolled off a bunch of wins at the end of the year right? Um, to the point where the Temple team, I told the story already, did not believe they were going to win that team that game last year at, at Maryland. Well into the fourth quarter, even though everyone in the stadium knew they were going to win. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they started a run with us, and they are a scary team. Obviously, Maryland would have loved to go bowling the last five out of six years. Yeah, uh, It's a little bit easier in the AAC than the Big Ten East Yeah, to get six wins. But, you know, still give the credit where credit's due. They beat us last year. Well, they also come in with more one of the more experienced squads in all of college football, really. They got seven returning starters on offense and six returning starters on defense. And the team's led by junior quarterback Anthony Russo. Russo this week lit it up. Uh, he, this guy's the opposite of the Syracuse quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Threw for 409 yards and four touchdowns on 32 of 41 attempts versus Bucknell. Now, granted, it's against Bucknell, but I don't care. Again, I don't care who you're throwing against. That's impressive stats. That's very impressive stats. I, 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 and how many, much of that game did he play? Did he play the whole game, even right. though he, they won 52, you know, scoring 52 points? That's a lot of yards if he didn't play the whole game. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, he didn't play the entire game. <laughs> so they had that's another a, quarterback come in. So. Yeah, that'd be 500-some yards. That's that's that, you got to be scared. you got to watch that. Exactly. And they got a whole extra week to prepare for us. they got the bye week. we still got to deal with one of the you know higher-ranked teams in the country at Syracuse. Right. So we, we're going to have our, our hands full up there. It's no, it's no walk in the park. Yeah, we can't disguise anything. We're going to have to put everything on the line this week against Syracuse to get that win. So 
Temple's going to have a good amount of tape to see what we can do, what our strengths and weaknesses are. So they'll have basically a good blueprint to attack us well. So it's definitely, even if we do pull off this win against Syracuse, this could be a trap game for us to lose early on in the year. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but it could very well possibly be, you know, a trap game. Yeah, and then we're gonna. There's gonna be a little Maryland tension up there. I, I've mentioned not a sponsor. Ben Page and yeah. Old Line Tailgating has a bus trip going up there. If you guys, anybody's interested in going this game, trying to swing this a little bit in our direction because it it might be a scary game. Uh, go to OldLineTailgating.com and uh, check that out. Hashtag not a sponsor. If you want to be, <laughs> give me a call. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but another guy you can't write off for these Temple Owls is Isaiah Wright, and he's regarded as one of the more explosive players on the team. He was he actually received uh, AAC Special Teams Player of the Year last year, leading the league in punt return average, 13.11 yards per return. He ranked third last season in kickoff return average, 26.45s per return, and fourth in all-purpose yards, 121.1 yards per game, while scoring three special teams touchdowns. So, you know, we know a little bit about good returners here at the University of Maryland. That could be an X factor in this game. Yeah, we might see multiple returns uh, for touchdowns. Now that DJ Turner showed us, he's got some skills. So right. Might, might trade them back and forth, uh, possibly. So, But it's gonna be something you got to pay attention. That's going to be a lot of your backups playing in their special teams-like roles. Right. Um, and you just got to keep your, keep your lanes and keep containing this guy. Yeah, and then on the defensive side of the ball, not as good of a front as Syracuse, but where their strength is, that lies in the linebacker core. Uh, they've got a guy there by the name of Sean Bradley who earned first-team all-conference honor, uh, honors last year. 78 tackles, four tackles for a loss, and two interceptions as a junior. So this is another kid that you know you got to keep an eye on. You got to kind of know where he is uh, at all costs on the field. Yeah, and that linebacker core could be could be big when you're talking about our long runs and getting the guys out there. You know, you get, you get that hole open if we can with our line, they close up quickly. All right. All right. So let's put a prediction out here for week three. So if the predictions come true, both you and I have the Terps right now sitting at two and zero after two big wins against Howard and Syracuse. Where do you see him going here against Temple on the road? Twenty four twenty one. Temple wins this game. Ouch! And you can finally stop calling me a homer because <laughs> uh, there's a little bit. Of, I'm a little, I'm a little scared of it. I don't know why. I really hope I'm wrong. I and I, I can obviously see a a 35 to 10 Maryland win as a possibility. Um, but without seeing the Syracuse game yet, without seeing what we're like against real competition, and the fact that we won't have good film on them, like you said, with they only played this 52 to 10, 12 victory, right? Um, and they're gonna see the whole gamut that we're going to throw at Syracuse this week. It's it's really a lot scarier than I thought when I originally looked at the schedule. Yeah. I, look, I'm right there with you. I do think it's going to be a very close game, but I'm going to go the opposite way. I told you prior to us even starting this podcast that I see the Terps going 4-0. I think that they're going to win these first three games – Penn State's going to come in here high as a kite thinking that they're, you know, that they're going to come in here and roll over on us and we're going to surprise a lot of people on national TV with that Friday night game and end up beating Penn State. So I'm not going to go back on that. I'm going to stick with that, but I do think that this ends up being a close game 
and I've got the Terps winning this 27-24. Yeah, well, when I'm wrong and we beat Temple, yeah. I will also predict 4-0. <laughs> I like it. I like it. We'll have to save that one for two weeks from now. Uh, so we appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, every week. Again, thank you to everybody that came out uh, and, and supported us and showed us love down at the uh, stadium this past week. It was cool to see everybody get to shake some hands and, and actually put faces to some of these Twitter handles out there. Yeah, and again, uh, uh, with the not a sponsor, we're all planning on being there a little early this week. This week I did not go tailgating at all. I got off the airplane at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> coming home from Aruba. So the 12 noon game was no tailgate zone. No. Um, so it, this week we will be getting down there early and we plan to join old line tailgating uh, to, to celebrate this new next win. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. If you're out there on Twitter or you're out there on Facebook, send us a message. If you're going to be down there and you want to hang out during the tailgate, like I said, we'll be down there with old line tailgating, uh, getting our drink on and getting our food on. Uh, so and they, they invite anybody, man. It's, yeah, it's $20 a head. All you can eat, all you can drink. Um, and for a great calls. They basically take all their proceeds and buy seats for like underprivileged kids or groups and things and try to fill up this stadium that needed a lot of filling last week right the, the, sure. the lowest announced attendance in like 20 or 30 years it was it was but pretty bad again but. i can't i can't complain it was, it's obviously you got howard as part of it and then you also have the fact of how terribly hot it was some people took that game a little too seriously they must have went tailgating because they were <laughs> dropping like flies <laughs> all right so follow us on all of our social media networks you can follow us on twitter at shell and tell pod you can follow ryan at terps b Espert. that's terps b s p e r t follow me at fred blbs if you got any questions for us make sure you either hit us up on social media or send us an email at shell and tell pod at gmail.com you can find all the audio podcasts on any of the platforms platforms of your choice you can find us on uh apple apple podcast you can find us on google podcast and you can find us on uh spotify if you want check us out on the website www.birdlandbs.com backslash shell and tell find out a little bit about us which we just put a uh, a nice little i wouldn't say little it's not a little I, it's, a, it's a long clip of ryan if you want to know anything about me you can there. read my bio it's i started typing and i'm like all these things are important to show why i care about this and <laughs> Fred's like, fine, I'll put it up. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And Ryan, sign us off. All right, until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the show.